Hello. Hello. Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Jeffrey Lilly. And I'm Sarah Black. And we're back. And we're back, <laughs> baby. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for uh, sticking with us through our little uh, holiday, winter... Hiatus. Hiatus. Uh, so this is the official start of... 2024. Well, I was going to say season two. We don't have, you know, you want to do this whole season thing. I don't know how much it's going to work out, but. Break, this is, breaking it up. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. We do like to kind of take a little break, rejuvenate, and then kick things off at the beginning of the year. We're also taking a midsummer break. Remember? Yeah, it's like two weeks. Yeah. Nothing but, too big. Yeah, it was summer vacation. But we're coming to you guys with a bunch of awesome new content. And I think you're going to like this first topic we have in store for you. Yeah. We're talking today about Danvers State Hospital. Ooh. Cue the spooky music. Kind of spooky, kind of, I don't know, dark history-esque, but also, but also really cool. I was going to say a lot of positive yeah. aspects yeah. to it, which um, I was kind of surprised by. I, but I think more positive than negative in the long run. But, of course, that's not what we think of when we think of... Asylums. Yeah, but... Lunatics. Yeah, we'll get yeah, into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think one funny thing about uh, this topic is that oftentimes around here, we can just refer to it as Danvers State. Mm-hmm. You don't have to throw the hospital at the end. And if you're saying that to, like, anyone else, I feel like that sounds like a university, <laughs> right? I realized like, that the other day. I was like, yeah, yeah, Danvers State. And I was like, Danvers State Hospital. hospital. Because if I said, oh, yeah, yeah, Danvers State and Salem State, those are both very different things. Yes. One's a university. One was a mental institution. Yeah. So that's what we're bringing to you today. But uh, we got some catching up to do. Uh, but let's jump into some Patreon shout outs real quick. As always, thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers keeping us powered through. You guys are fantastic. First on our list today, Drew Lacombe. Thank you so much, Drew. Appreciate you. And a happy new year to you. And next on the list, Laurel Rittenhouse. Thank you, Laurel. Thank you so much, Laurel. Oh, boy. You got it, Jeff. <laughs> no, I don't. Renee Hulse. <laughs> I love this part of the show. <laughs> Holzvesky. You know, Holzvesky. Renee Holzvesky. Sorry, Renee. You know, send us a voice memo. Yeah. Renee, let us know. How <laughs> let me know how badly got. I screwed that one but up. But thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. And thank you to, last but not least, Morgan Briggs. Thank you, Morgan. So, how you been? I've been, I've been good. It's been a, a quiet winter. I think one of my favorite parts about our job as tour guides is our busy season is usually the summer into October. Uh -huh. We had a little bit of a busier November this year, but once December hits and then definitely once January hits, we are quiet. So we're taking that time to kind of rest and relax. Little, hibernate. Exactly. A little hibernation. So I'm feeling good. Um, I've been getting out on the slopes, mm -hmm. returning to some snowboarding. I had done it, I think, 10 years ago, but never out here. So that's the that's the new hobby. Yeah. And I put one of your, your boob stickers on my snowboard, <laughs> Beauty Revealed. And yep. someone, I think most people are just uncomfortable asking about sure. it. Because you can see it. It's like right yeah. there. And if you're sitting on a chairlift with someone for like five minutes... 
they're, they're going to look at it. They're like, and, and they got to be thinking like, what's, what's, go- <laughs> what's with the boobs? What's with the boobs? I want people to ask me, like, I want to share the history. Right. Someone finally did. Although, of course, it was in kind of like a gross man way. But I was getting, it was a lifty and he was like, oh, is that a self-portrait? Oh, and I was like, man, dude, dude gross. Shut but the fuck up. let me tell Sorry. you this history. <laughs> and so I like waddled back and I was like, no, no, dude, not my self-portrait, but uh-huh. check this out. And I like gave him a uh-huh. long list of all the info and I was like, go to the Met. You can see the real thing. Was he, was he impressed? I think he was confused. Okay, that's <laughs> I mean, fair. Not surprising. Yeah, who expect? But he, I was like, it, it was given to Daniel Webster, you uh-huh. know, and he's like, oh, the Dictionary Man. I was like, statesman. You guys got a highway name yeah, named after yeah. him. So yeah, if you because you were probably up in New Hampshire. If you drove up here, you very well may have driven on the Daniel Webster Highway. The gentleman who was fortunate enough to receive the original. Of Beauty Revealed and, by Sarah Goodrich. And probably kept it in his briefcase. I can only hope. Ah, you better stock up on stickers I've, for I've this year, Jeffrey. Stack. Yeah, got a season of stickers. So remember, listeners, if you see me on the street, ask me what's in my briefcase. You'll get some historic nudes. And uh, then you can put it on your snowboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but how you been, Jeffrey? How's uh, your hibernation been? Eh, I think I had COVID and the flu. Oh, that that's good. Yeah, I was out for like three weeks. I guess it's better now than in September, yeah, October. Yeah, my energy was like, I, I think I'm good now. But even like last week, the week before, doing things were like drained me. Um, but I went out skiing with you once. We're going again in a couple of days. Uh, I had a good holiday time, good time with my family. Got some good family news. Yeah, Jeffrey's, can we say it? Yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) Jeffrey's going to be an uncle. Yes, my brother Peter and his wife Evie are expecting a little boy come July, so I will uh, get a promotion to uncle, which was really sweet. He he gave me a Christmas, so we all sat down for Christmas. Um, I love the like the reveals when yeah, they announce it. He g- gives everyone a card, and it's like, what are you doing? And I don't know like what I thought, but I like maybe it was like trip tickets, or we're going to see a play, or you know what like I mean, like a family event that you're all going to do I, together. I mean, it, it's it a is a family <laughs> event. It's a milestone. Yeah. There. So inside uh, was the ultrasound picture on a card, and then on it, it was you know, congratulations, you, you've been promoted to uncle. Oh, so, and what a promotion indeed. Yeah. So that was that was probably the the, the best Christmas uh, news that I got. So that that was pretty cool. I'm 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 pretty stoked. It's weird to think next Christmas there'll be a little one. A tiny little lily child. A little uh, troglodyte. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm going to be the best uncle and my brother is going to hate me. That is my goal. It's a great goal to have. It's a spoil I want to be, same, I want to be like the witchy weird aunt that comes over to Michigan once in a while. Descends in a torrent of madness and chaos and the parents like, oh good God. Brings candy and presents and riles them all up. It's like, okay, (laughs) see you later. I'm going to go back home now. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. So. Yay for that fabulous news. Yeah. But other than that, uh, January is almost up. February is around the corner. Um, today is uh, Robert Burns's birthday. So if those of you who know, know, I know some people over in England are listening. Uh, my father, uh, arguably uh, one of the most important and famous Scotsmen to ever live. He is a poet, uh, writes over 700 poems. And uh, all of you, 
every one of you are familiar with at least one of his poems. Which one? What did we all sing on New Year's Eve? Old Lang Syne. Oh, it was originally a poem. Yeah, so about 300 or so of his poems have been put to song. Wow. uh, And that is by leaps and bounds the most famous. Uh, So today, I believe, would have been his 265th birthday. And is this where we get Burns Night from? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so every year, depending, some people celebrate the birth of, of Robert Burns, the poet. And it's a whole ceremony. Uh, I went to a Burns Night at Hamilton Hall. I know some other places have them. Uh, but there is a toast uh, to the haggis. So they bring the haggis out and everyone has the haggis. There's singing. There's dancing. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked to do a toast, part of a pair. So me and my roommate, Kate, did a toast to the lads and to the lassies. So I give the toast to the lassies and then in response she gives a toast to the lads and that was fun you can be a little cheeky about it you know mm-hmm. um as they're like dancing and yep and then there's scottish dancing and there's drinking there's a whiskey tasting beforehand because scotland whiskey right i should go next year i just yeah. found out this year that our name comes from scotland ah. like the black family name the blacks were a big family there we over go there so like why not next you know? year we could yeah yeah it, 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 it's a fun time. So I, I got a kilt and had whiskey and gave a toast. and Very yeah, it was, cool. It was fun. It was fun. But today, as we are recording, is his birthday. So uh, go out and have a drink for, for uh, Bobby Burns there. Um, what else we got? Anything? I was going to say, speaking of events, you just mentioned Burns Nights. We got some other events coming up in Salem. Two to three weeks? Yeah. Before we get into any of our topic for today, we did want to touch on just some current stuff going on because we know a lot of you are locals and also coming to visit especially in the off season a lot of people like what's you see it all over the facebook like oh i'm coming in the winter in the off season what's there to do the big thing is the salem so sweet festival so that's coming up in february uh kicks off february 9th so it'll go on that whole weekend Mm -hmm. there will be chocolate there will be wine there will be specials at local businesses and of course everyone's favorite there will be ice sculptures all around downtown 20 i think yeah i was gonna say at least a dozen i think it's closer to two dozen yeah and those are posted around town uh you'll be able to pick up a map uh I believe they'll be lit Friday and Saturday night. Not all of them will be in place Friday night. Yeah, so if you want to see all of them, go out Saturday. But it's really cool to see them at nighttime because they do all get... backlight them. But be careful because if it's a warm Saturday... (laughs) They're going to be melted. They will be little pools of water. Which we've also seen. Yeah, three years ago? I think. I think. I think last was it no two no. years it was two years ago. Okay, it was like sixty five degrees out, and these things were just you could see the water dripping off of them, and I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. That's because you like chaos. Yes, you weirdo. But on the flip side, Salem was packed. Businesses were doing well. Oh, Restaurants yeah. were full. People were coming out more because the weather was warmer. Uh, so we saw uh, so, so much more foot traffic downtown. Uh, the events were fuller. Uh, and, and that was a lot of fun to see all the people, to talk to all the people. So whether it's snowy, whether it's 65 degrees, check out Salem So Sweet. Uh, there is a ticketed event on Friday. Uh, it's not required to see the ice sculptures. It just adds uh, to the event. You get a little bag, some chocolates, and you can stop into different local businesses. And some of them will have, you know, like a wine pour or whatever. 
And then I think on Saturday there's an event at Rockefeller's, uh, some romance, fancy drinking Valentine'sy thing. Probably upstairs. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. yeah. Colonial Sorry, Hall. At, um, yeah, Colonial Hall. So that would be fun if you're looking for something to do. Yeah. Uh. And then we've got something else coming up in February, Jeffrey. My birthday. Yes, your birthday. Yeah. But what do you share your birthday with? Some dude who ran away crying. <laughs> He's a loser. Who retreated he retreated i'm going leslie the loser leslie oh the loser <laughs> <laughs> we should <laughs> make signs, signs that say, say that. leslie the loser <laughs> oh that's kind of mean <laughs> so i'm going to uh play a little sound clip for us jeffrey just just so we can be held accountable because we did make a promise to our listeners last year breaking news and uh while we just had the uh, reenactment of Leslie's retreat a few days ago, uh, it will happen again next year. And there might be some people turning up dressed as lobsters. lobsters if you want to join the lobster club. That's the one unfortunate thing about losing this initial recording. We, by the end of it, had decided that we were going to get full-blown lobster outfits and we're going to grab replica muskets and we're going to march with the other lobster coats <laughs> next year i figure I'd just go back and forth each year you can be on the colonist side yeah, one you, year you gotta spread the love right yeah, gotta understand both sides two sides to every story gotta build empathy <laughs> one's wrong <laughs> <laughs> two sides to every story no taxation <laughs> of that representation uh you're the bad guys uh sorry i love all my british friends but we won this one so this year, we will, well, A, you will be in attendance, for yes. one, and B, we will not be on the colonist side. We will be dressed as lobsters with the red coats. So if, Absolutely. If anyone wants to join, um, they haven't announced the official date for the reenactment, but I believe it's going to take place, my best guess, would be on the 25th. So it usually happens on a Sunday. On a Sunday, yeah. So this year, that would fall on the 25th. Um, it's free and open to the public. It was relatively small last year, so I would love to see a better turn turnout. Yeah, make a showing. If you're local, if you're listening. It's so fun. Get out there. Spend an hour. Uh, we spend so much time uh, with the witch trials uh, that there's so much other history out there to partake in. And this is a fun little reenactment. And we'll be in lobster costumes uh, if you want to wear red, wear red. If if you want to order a little lobster hat off of Amazon, uh, do that. If maybe you have like lobster oven mitts or something, <laughs> uh, wear that. Uh, come down and support the English uh, as Leslie uh, bravely ran away. Away. So that will be happening at the end of February. And the last thing I wanted to plug is the Vampire Salon. Now, we've got a couple months before that comes yeah. around, so that will be happening on May 24th of this year. We did get a request to kind of just briefly talk about what to expect, so we've got some listeners that will be going. This will be their first time attending any of the Vamp, Vamp Fangs Endless Nights events. So, real quick before we do that, sorry, it is sold out. So, if you haven't got tickets... Sorry, you missed out. There's a waiting list of. I don't know if we should say the amount. Just a to lot like, of people. Yeah, there is a very big waiting list. Um, 
Unfortunately, Hammond Castle has a hard cap on the amount of people they can have. However, if you want to go to one of the Vamp Fangs events, we do have the ball coming up in September. And they will be doing another Hammond Castle event at some point. And Go ahead. Not this year, but this is not going to be the last time they're at Hammond Castle. We love that space. They love that space. Uh, So they'll definitely be returning. So you haven't missed out. You just can't go to this one. But if you are going to this one, just a reminder that the salons are all black attire. Yes. Um, It'll definitely be, you know, if this is your first one, I feel like they're going to be super blown away. (laughs) I was blown away. It wasn't my first salon, but going to Hammond Castle on top of that, that setting makes it all the more extreme and exciting. Uh, There will be dancing. You can expect um, the outfits to be just out of this world. And it's in a castle, so feel free to get a little medieval with it. You can go as formal as you want or as... When I say informal, I don't mean like jeans and a t-shirt. I mean like... Something you might he, not wear out in public. I think he means lace and leather. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you want to go in lace and leather, absolutely do that. So you will see a wide range. Yeah, I'm not sure things. if there's a dungeon in the castle, but hey. But there will be a, a food. Usually they've yeah, got like yeah. um, finger food. Food was great. Hammond Castle was really cool. Um, there's a back lawn area which overlooks the atlantic ocean the waves crashing against the shore i remember we were out there like as the sun was setting we could see like the moon in the sky it was a beautiful location yeah it was really fantastic so if you've got tickets we will see you there if you don't have tickets get tickets to the ball we will see you there <laughs> and again if you're coming just remember to have a great time it's an incredible space and uh, bring your dancing shoes because that's the best part yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. And who knows, you, you might find yourself a um, fake New Orleans boyfriend. <laughs> oh, Jeffrey. <laughs> I don't, did I put, I don't know if I left that in. Yeah. I oh, think I, I, we've I think got I, another one coming up. I think I left it in. You think uh, we'll, we'll go back and check. The Salem Nuggets or Salem Love Nuggets episode that we released last February and we yeah, were talking yeah. about. Go. Go, go have a listen. Yeah. I don't know if I talked about my, my um, Hammond Castle encounter. <laughs> but last thing I'll say before we jump in, um, if you have a Salem love story, it is your last chance to get it in, preferably to our email. Um, the more the merrier. If we have enough, maybe we'll even do two parts. But this is like your last chance because we'll be recording that very soon. So that's if you've come to Salem uh, for a wedding for an engagement, for someone else's wedding, bachelorette party. Hey, you know, if coming to Salem caused you to get divorced, uh, if... If you had a really, really bad Tinder date. Yeah, like... Uh, if you got cursed by a witch, I don't... Anything, anything. Anything. If you fell in love with the city. Yes. And, and I... There are people who have come here, visited, gone home and been like, I'm moving to Salem. Yep. And done that. So... If any of you fall into any of those categories, hit us up. Again, email is hello at SalemThePodcast.com. And with that, let's talk about Danvers State Hospital. Bum, bum, bum. Emphasis on the hospital, not university. Yes. <laughs> so Danvers State, I, uh, so 
as most of us know at this point. I'm from Michigan originally. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew nothing about Danvers State Hospital. However, when it did come up with locals, they all just kind of knew about it. Like Mm -hmm. it was in their lexicon. It was in their purview. And it was just that, that creepy. Thank you. It was just that creepy old mental hospital like that's Castle basically on a hill. yeah that's basically what it was known for and you might hear whispers like oh so and so snuck in there at one point when it was abandoned but yeah it and seems fire but now it's just apartments it seems to, and yes now it's apartments where you can actually live yeah. so it is still in kind of like the modern landscape that we see like today culturally and physically Yes. Like if you're driving up 95, you can see it on the hill. You can, you look up and you're like, what's that? Like, that's dancing. Can you actually see it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I've never noticed. Yeah. Really? We'll have to, you don't usually go north. It's like north on 95. Okay. So normally getting out of Salem, you're going to bounce down 128 Mm -hmm. to get, you need to just bang north on 95. Gotcha. Yeah. You can definitely see it, and you're like, oh, wow. and it stands out. And it's only 10% of what used to be there. So what did you, growing up in northern Massachusetts, had you heard of this place before? No. So, of course, I grew up in the pre-internet days because I'm ancient beyond measure. <laughs> um, there was a lot of things around where I was that I was familiar with. But for some reason, I was very unfamiliar with the North Shore. Um, I it know was a just lot. too separated. I, I don't, maybe it was just like people I hung out with in high school. I wasn't as, I was like nerdy in high school, like, you know, playing magic and D&D. I wasn't like as weird and gothy as like I've come to be. <laughs> I mean, I was. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just wasn't like as you, out you about it. you come into it in right, your exactly. age. Um, but the so. Again, so it's like pre-internet. There wasn't like, oh, hey, there's a thing. There's an event. There's a, You had to yeah. like hear it from people. And I'm like sitting at home watching imported anime with my friends, um, causing trouble, not driving up to Danvers. but Or driving down. Over. Over? Yeah. Yeah, and plus, as high schoolers, like you're not going to drive you know, an hour to go check out. I mean, you probably would have. There are probably people who were doing it, and I just was unaware because, like, I was definitely causing trouble. I caused, like, a lot, a, a lot of trouble. Um, the Groton PD know exactly who I am. Um, me and all my brothers, let's just be honest. But when I was in high school, it was abandoned. And you can find pictures of it. I mean, they just have it on their website, to be fair. You don't have to, like, search for them. They're everywhere. Yeah, and people would live there. They would squat there. They would party there. Uh, so there was a period of time where it was about 10 years, just derelict and abandoned. And that's, I think it was 92 to 2002. 2005 is when it was bought. Okay. Yeah. So, so you got 13 years. I was high school, 98 to 2001. I'm like, that is the time that I should have been <laughs> going, going through there. I, I mean, I was just going to the woods of Groton and Jeffrey, like smoking pot and drinking alcohol. I wasn't missed opportunity. A hundred percent. Every time I think about it, I'm like, that was that was my oh, why did Who doesn't I... want to go into an abandoned building, let alone an abandoned insane asylum? Right? Yeah, I did not. So I uh deeply regret that. So I think one of the reasons why Danvers State might be so 
forward in a lot of people's minds, especially out in this area, is because of how prevalent it is in pop culture. Sure. Like popular pop culture, if that makes sense. So we can actually trace this to Batman. We're going to talk about that later. Okay, okay. We'll save that for the end then. Oh, by the way, this is probably going to be a two-parter, guys. Oh, yeah. Heads up. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> Not only are we going to cover the history of the hospital, it appears in pop culture in a yep, variety yep. of ways, probably more so than a lot of other uh, uh, institutions of the same vein. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> and then we actually got to visit the grounds. Yeah, we, so. we went around and walked around today. Uh, the cemeteries that are still there. So at the very Although, end. I think technically they're graveyards if I want to categorize them correctly i i don't we can have this debate later mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can have this debate okay. later okay <laughs> uh but why don't we start with like just where we are where it's located yeah. because this is a little bit outside of our normal yeah. line so it is the danvers state hospital not the salem state hospital and we are salem the podcast but, but it was back in the day this used to be salem village yeah so we've talked about Salem Village numerous times. And, and we have talked about it just recently in a couple episodes ago. In the Putnams. Yeah. When, when we talked about the Putnam family because they lived right around this area. So remember, Danvers, as it is now known today, was Salem Village, just west of Salem Town. Now, Salem Village is where? Northwest? Northwest. Um, Salem Village is where the witch trials, you could argue, started. This is where the Paris Parsonage is. This is where Rebecca Nurse lived. I mean, as we were driving away from there today, within minutes, we were passing the the, the Paris Parsonage. And the hill in particular that it is located on, or was, is called Hathorne Hill. Yes. Because it was owned by one particular judge. Family. He wasn't like the big owner of it, but it was... It was passed down to him by his father. Yeah, so this judge that we all uh, know and love, Judge John Hathorne, his father had built a home on the property and established a little farmstead and eventually gave that to his son, the judge that we... He did live downtown Salem. Right, right. But he owned that land as well. And he owned, he lived there, I believe, first and then yeah, moved yeah. to Salem Town. Yeah. I, I have heard within the purview of vaguely incorrect statements about the Salem Witch Trials that the judge lived in Danvers. Oh, I've uh, never heard that. When You know, when you hear these people and they're like, well, the trials actually happened in Danvers. And you're like, shut up. Well, no, actually, yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, pre-internet days, when you can't fact check things mm-hmm. as quickly, it certain things may kind of spiral into like legend like oh i thought so and so lived here and the trial started here and this is called hathorn hill and this is where the witches were executed i saw while doing this research it was only mentioned once that there was supposedly a hanging tree still on hathorn hill where the hospital was and i was like wait a minute (laughs) that doesn't make any sense whatsoever because that's not gallows hill no that's not that's not Proctor's Ledge. That's not where the executions took place. We are talking like seven miles outside of the city center of Salem Town. Just so, about. Yeah, it's about 6.5 miles. Yeah. 
I clocked it. <laughs> <laughs> and just to uh, give you a little lay of the land, uh, for those of you who are curious, because Sarah uh, prompted me with, like, we need to talk about geographical location. So it's at 42.5805 north Jeffrey. by 70.9751 uh, west, for those of you who are wondering. Did you really just give the coordinates? <laughs> yes. Um, but one of the reasons I did that is because it's about 81 meters above sea level. As I was looking at topographical maps. It looks to be the highest point in Danvers. Oh, you know, when we were driving up there, uh-huh. I was kind of disappointed with how high we were until we started actually going up. Because right? like when you pull into the entrance, I think you're kind of at the bottom of the hill. You're like, yeah. oh, this is it. But no, you have to keep driving upwards to get to the actual apartment complexes. And when you're up there, it is a view. We could see Boston in the distance. It was a little hazy. Yeah, you could literally see Boston. It was 18 miles away. So it it's a imposing building on the tallest hill in the area um and i can only imagine what it must have looked like in its heyday yeah without as many surrounding buildings with a lot more pastoral lands yeah a lot of gardens a lot of farms it must have been a sight to behold which is part of the reason why they chose it in the first place yeah because back then one of the main goals was to take folks that maybe disabled or suffering some from some mental illness, remove them from the grime and the stress and the chaos of cities and bring them to a place that was beautiful and filled with fresh air and nature. That was, you know, you look back on it, kind of a progressive thought. Oh, it was, so we have this idea of asylums and institutions being very white walled padded rooms straight jackets yeah black and white tile floors that's like a 50s 70s mix in with pop culture horror narratives yeah that's what you get not at all in any way what danvers state a hospital or i guess danvers lunatic asylum (laughs) yeah we are going to be using and we've already used some of the terminology uh to this point but we will be using some of the historic terminology um this hospital went through several name changes as of course our language changed through a century and a half the state lunatic hospital at danvers um is is sort of where we got our insane asylum uh these were standard so today they're a little taboo like you couldn't actually call someone who has uh you know some of these issues a lunatic or call them insane uh that's just it's inappropriate yeah uh but they were commonplace and this is what we do although i do love the term lunatic it is kind of like do you you know where no do tell so lunatic um is it references a person who's mentally ill dangerous insane whatever but the conditions are attributed to lunacy, which is derived from moonsickness. Ooh, like werewolves? Not necessarily, but like... But like kind of. Yeah. That's cool. And like ask ask anyone who works as like uh, EMT, firefighter, police. Oh, yeah. The full uh, moon. ER, the full moon. People go a little crazy. Oh, my gosh. So like lunacy arguably is, is, is a real thing. Uh, so lunatic is where that, that word comes from. 
Interesting. So I, I, I kind of love the word lunatic. Yeah, it's kind of good. Right? <laughs> if someone calls you a lunatic, you're like, okay. I get my power from the moon. <laughs> right? I'll take it. I'm moon obsessed. Like, absolutely. But uh, the State Lunatic Asylum. State Lunatic Hospital, Hospital at Danvers. And then eventually I think it transforms into the Danvers State Lunatic Asylum and then to Danvers State Hospital. So they opened their doors officially in 1878. That was after four years of construction at a cost of $1.5 million, which is f- roughly $46 million in today's money. <laughs> You're shaking your head at me and smiling. I was to, wondering if you did the math. Yes, I did do the math on this one. Because it's a huge building. Yeah. It is so big. Buildings. And I'm, buildings, several buildings. But yeah. like that main structure was massive. So I had to know how much this yeah. thing would have cost. And just for reference, again, 1878, so it's been, uh, the land has been purchased, there's been conflict with that, there's been a budget put out, there's been architects, there's been design, so this has been an ongoing project. And just for history reference, again, the Civil War ends uh, in 64. So we're not far off a decade off of the end of the Civil War. And that was actually a catalyst behind these institutions. You've got all these soldiers coming back from war, one of the bloodiest conflicts our country had ever seen. A lot of them had physical injuries and psychological damage. I mean, the only thing is the Civil War is the bloodiest. Well, I I was going to say that, but then I was also like, didn't we talk about how the greatest per capita the country has ever seen is from King Philip's war. Sure. But the United States didn't exist. Oh, so when I say the country. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's on, you can talk about continent, you can talk about region, you can talk about country, but King Philip's war didn't involve anyone from America. Ah, semantics. It was like, it's just, I mean. That's true. Yeah. Like, have you seen, there's a petition going in front of the state house to like forgive or like absolve people of the the crime of witchcraft, and like, I was reading an article for Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Some people didn't who they were already do that? Everyone executed, and I think it was like a blanket, but people like oh by name. Uh huh. And I was reading an article from like the BBC, and like, well, you know, they should issue an apology. And I was like, the state of Massachusetts should issue an apology. The state of Massachusetts, Commonwealth Did Massachusetts, it? didn't exist. The crown existed, so maybe the crown. If anyone's going to be issuing an apology, it should be the crown and not the, if the Commonwealth wants to absolve them and like within the legislature, like declare that great, but like, sorry for what we did. You didn't exist. It was nearly a hundred years before you existed. Interesting. And I was just like, and I was like, and that's like a big theme, especially right now. People like, because it's not just Massachusetts, it's Connecticut too. Yeah. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. If you want to be like, you know, we hereby recognize that these people were never, you didn't exist. Yeah. Like, sure, we had a charter from the crown that enabled a government, but the governing body was not an independent facility. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> the bloodiest con the bloodiest conflict of the country's history. I'm gonna leave all that in. It was educational, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so we are almost 200 years past the Salem witch trials when Danvers State Hospital is. Uh, erected and more than a hundred years since Danvers separated from Salem. Which was seventeen fifty seven. Seven 
I saw 1752. I think it was incorporated. There was there was an issue. Okay, so it was incorporated in 52 and it no, incorporated in 57, maybe separate in 52. Okay. There was like an issue with the crown and they wanted to be like you can have jurisdiction and you can't and then it was post the uh so this is all pre yeah, right? revolutionary war. So we're still getting direction from England and who can and can't have a governing body. So I think 52 is when they're first like we're doing this and the crowd's like you can't really and then I think they pushed through the legislature and actually got formally recognized in 57. And named for just some British guy. Right? I was hoping that it was going to be f- <laughs> like for a no. family, like a, a local family. But no. And it's funny because I didn't really think about the fact that they were under British rule at the time yeah. that they separated. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just like, if you see this picture, he's just like some, he's some, not even like some a dude. Some like dude in England. Like, I can't, what, did you guys first name? I know I didn't write it down. I didn't. I also didn't write it down because I felt like it was so insignificant. I was like angry that right? this is the guy that they chose to name it after. It's like, it's, it's just some, it's not even like a good, it's a weird name. I should Google that. <laughs> Danvers Osborne, Sir Danvers Osborne. Yes. The third baronet. And you're like, you're not even like a prince. Who are you, sir? It's, it's just some dude. Like, has he, did he even go here? <laughs> Well, he can't sit with us. <laughs> Probably never did. Probably didn't even want to. Right? We should do an episode on Sir Tad versus Osborne. <laughs> so in the 19th century, mental health in general, they were taking doctors and psychiatrists. It's all kind of new medicine at this point. Say, I wouldn't call any of them psychiatrists. But. No, but like, you know, but <laughs> psychiatry in general, like, and you're making that face. Gone through a lot of changes over the last... 200 years and you are right they wouldn't have been called psychiatrists they would have been called alienists during this time but in the 1870s they are decades into this approach to mental health um we'll talk about lobotomies later but the first lobotomy was done in 36 these institutions have been being put up again, for decades. So they're taking a different approach to mental health. Like we said, bringing folks out into nature, trying to rehabilitate them, trying to uh, take a more humanistic approach to that healing. We have this idea of asylums as these horrid, morbid, violent, death, torturous institutions. And I'm not saying some of them weren't, some of them were, but at this point in time, they were not. This place was grandiose, sprawling, gorgeous gardens, farms. Like, I, and to be fair, I was just saying, I wouldn't mind when I was reading this. I was like, I wouldn't have mind living there if I was living in some almost wherever. And you're like, well, we got to commit you. And you're like, I get to go to Danvers. <laughs> you see some of the pictures. The gardens make the Ropes Mansion look like child's play. Well, some there was actually contention over the opulence of yeah. the building itself. It was designed by Nathaniel J. Bradley. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of his other notable buildings include the first church in Jamaica Plain, which is still standing, as well as the railway station up in North Conway, New Hampshire. But this design was not the first of its kind. It was no. He followed the Kirkbride concept. 
named for Thomas Story Kirkbride. So he was a physician and the primary founder of what would become the American Psychiatric Association. What's interesting, though, is he's had a whole career of this, and this sort of falls really at the, 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 the end of his life and the end of his career. Danver State, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, arguably his most prominent uh, uh, architectural design structure. It's not like Danvers is coming in. They came in at the, at the end. Yeah, it was one oh. of many. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say Danvers was that prominent or that unique compared yeah, to his yeah. other institutions, many of which still exist. So It's a weird blip on the radar. Going up the road, by the way, we mentioned as we were driving up, there's a Kirkbride Drive and a Hathorne Drive. And you're like, okay, I, I, I know where I am. Um, but he sort of revolutionizes, revolutionizes this idea. So the idea that these institutions need to be, you know, what? why don't I just read what he said? And I, can I just do that? Just, sure. And I quote, <clears throat> it is now well established that this class of hospital should always be located in the country not within less than two miles of a town of considerable size. They should be easily accessible at all seasons. They should, if possible, be near turnpikes, other good roads, or the line of railroad. While two or three miles from a town, the building should be in a healthy, pleasant, fertile district of the country. While the hospital staff itself should be retired to its privacy, fully secured, it is desirable that the views from it should exhibit life in all its active forms, and on this accounting string of objects, little distance are desirable. You're like, put them in the country, give them some scenery, give them some fresh air, and he comes up with a whole list of things that his facilities need, and the design for it is also really cool. Because it looks like a bat. It looks like a bat, which <laughs> I don't think has any reference to the Batman pop culture, I, I think... Oh, no. There's No, total... I think people just want to make that connection. Yeah. So if you imagine a bat, you have the little body of the bat, and then you have its wings going out. That's what an aerial view of Kirkbride facilities would look like. So you've got this main centralized administration building, and then from each side, you have wings that extend yeah. out. Multiple buildings. So there was like three large buildings on each side that would house different patients afflicted and suffering from different illnesses, uh, different ages, gender. So we got... Actually, not three, four. Four. Eight wards total. Sorry, thank you. Men and women on each side. Uh, at one point, there was a tuberculosis ward. Uh, there was an elder patient ward. Yeah, there was a method to yeah. it. Uh, at first, when I saw the plans, before I read anything about the Kirkbride... Uh, principles. Mm -hmm. I looked at the plan of the hospital. I'm like, man, it's going to take a really long time to walk from Ward A to even just the main administration building. How might we make that a little easier? Oh no, get get out of here. Calm down. <laughs> he wants to talk about tunnels, but there even are tunnels. but even those tunnels would be yeah. super long. My th my immediate thought was like why wouldn't you just make one big building right. like a square or a rectangle that way you can easier access but then learning about how important fresh air and like proper ventilation mm -hmm. and sunlight and and having exposure to the natural elements how essential that was to the Kirkbride plan it makes sense that they would have them expanding outward yeah and you know it just looks better the symmetry of it all it's it's gorgeous so that means each building 
has access to windows on each side. Mm -hmm. It has access to gardens on each side. There were sun porches on some of the buildings. And and that way, it was just more pleasant. Like, I would bet, I would venture to guess from one end, like the farthest ward on one side all the way to the other side, had to have been like at the very minimum a half mile. Probably. Probably. I would say even... At least I don't I don't know how much, but like it was it was huge, and yeah. we'll we'll put links to pictures in the show notes. Which but is also, and we'll get back to this. The overcrowding thing bothers me because it was so big, but not big enough. But still not big enough. But anyway, oh hold on, I can tell you, point two five miles, so a quarter mile to get from one side to the other. Yeah, really says 3,000, sorry, 313,000 square feet, 1,100 feet in length. That seems wrong. <laughs> that does not seem very long at all. Well, either way. <laughs> but yes, the building itself was huge. It was not the first Kirkbride of its kind. That was down in New Jersey, the New Jersey State Lunatic Asylum. And as you were saying, they would organize the patients by sex in those wings, yep. but also by their conditions. Yeah. So part of the Kirkbride idea is to put the more, quote, excited patients, um, those with more de debilitating conditions in the outermost wings, yeah. and then have the more curable patients towards that central administration Which building. I, I think makes sense. Yeah, just you would think like for safety purposes, and I'm sure they did have some confinement mm -hmm. of some sorts, but at the beginning, like in those early years, patients were able to walk freely through all the wards. There, yeah. there was no, like you said, that crazy like white padded room restraint that we think of when we think of asylums. That was not going on in yeah. those early days of Danvers. Uh, because also a lot of the patients who came to Danvers were curable and were cured uh they had fantastic success rate of uh, having patients in and you know what some of it might have just been getting some fresh air just taking a vacation just getting away from the industrial revolution and the smoke and smog and machines and labor that you take a couple of weeks in the country and you're like oh shit man i'm feeling way better it's shocking it's part of the reason why it got that that uh nickname the castle on the hill yeah. because the conditions at first were so luxurious that it was seen from, you know, the yeoman people down at the bottom, like, <laughs> oh, those Danvers state folks, they're just out doing their aerobic exercises and uh, eating good fruits and vegetables and taking time in the fresh air. Which, which we didn't quite mention. So hold on. Uh, should probably mention there's a maximum capacity we're looking at here. At about 500? Yeah. Yep. And it was also completely self-sufficient. So when you say farm fresh food, they literally had hundreds of acres of farmland. They grew all their own food. Part of the reason why they chose that spot, Hathorn mm -hmm. Hill, was for its farming potential. Um, not to mention its privacy and its beauty. But they grew their own food, they raised their own livestock, and they also drew their own water yep. from Middleton Pond. And all the doctors and nurses lived on site. 
They had their own little village area. So there was no like big commuting. The doctors were there. The nurses were there. The food was there. They, they had places to make clothes and shoes. This place was like, yeah, yeah I, I mean. Don't, I don't think we uh, mentioned either occupational therapy. Yes. So that was another big early component. Idle hands do the devil's work. But this idea that working on something, working towards something, using your hands, that will help your mental health improve. I think we all know 100% true. Absolutely. I mean, there's definitely some lines when you get into like forced labor, but but this is forced labor. No, this is like go out and get your hands in the soil and and plant some food that you're then learning to cook and eat. And it's not like textiles. Yeah. But it wasn't like a pressure. It wasn't like we need to churn out 30 pairs of shoes today. It was like, yeah. Want to learn how to make some shoes? Let's go to the make the shoe room. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. I'll <laughs> learn how to make some shoes today. Man, that that would be cool to do. If you could go back to one time in Danvers history, <laughs> I want to go back to Danvers State and make some shoes. Pre, anytime. <laughs> before the 1930s. I was going to say before, before 1900. The, I was going to say 19, 1905. Yeah. Cut it off about there. Things start to go down Hawthorne Hill. Um <laughs> They were also renowned for their use of hydrotherapy. So this was being used as early as 1899, uh, also known as the water cure. Which is is, really cool. This is the use of water for healing purposes, which is still used today. It has Um, been for ever. Pretty much. I mean, it goes back to ancient civilizations like Egypt and Rome. The Romans would do it all the time. We've got the hot baths, the hot tubs, cold plunges. Yep. You see you see all the videos on TikToks. Um, hey, but with the cold plunge, I guess there's like a serious, and I don't know the details, like sitting in an ice bath for X amount of time does like serious good for your mental health. Yeah, well, it releases serotonin, yeah. and it's a prolonged release. It's yeah. not just instantaneous. It continues on. Yeah, there's a there's a big cold plunging community yeah. out there, and that practice, there was actually a book that was written about cold plunging all the way back in 1702, wow. so that dates back hundreds of years. But no, the, the hydrotherapy, at first I was like, what are we doing here? Are we like waterboarding people? Right, or like, like putting them in water and shocking. For some reason, that's what I assume, but I think so, I got that mixed up with electroshock therapy. <laughs> Which we'll get to. So uh, there are instances of like almost dunking, you know, like forcing their head underwater until like they pass out. That was a very uncommon and not normal thing. Definitely not what was happening at Danvers. At Danvers, it was like a spa day. Yeah, you sit in the sit in the hot tubs, yeah. some warm they water. Had, um, like steam rooms. They're like y- you've probably seen them on TV and stuff. Like the little steam boxes, kind of like a sauna. No, where you sit in it and they close it, and just your head sitting out. Ah, uh, yes, or like the tubs when they put you in the, the cover. Yeah, which you see in American Horror Story Asylum. And in that case, like, they're pretty much stuck there. Yeah. And Mentis, and it's, like, very, very, very hot. Yeah. Um, but the early f- usage of this, especially at Danvers, it was not something that they were, like, boiling inside no. of. Like, this was not meant to be, like, a, a, a sauna, super a spa day. painful experience yeah. or to incapacitate you in any way. This was supposed to be what they thought was if there were any 
imperfections in the body, anything wrong with the body, that that water could kind of wash it out. Okay. Yeah. Got to crawl before he can walk, right? Got to crawl before he can walk. I mean, the uh, Scandinavian people are like all about sauna-ing. That's like part of their culture. I don't know the specifics, but they like they're like, no, no, you you go and sit in this. That's like good for you. That that will help you. You will feel better. That is what you do. You are feeling bad. You go sit in a in a sauna. Mm-hmm. Okay. Almost like taking a hot shower when yeah. you're you're sick. Crank that steam up, and you're like, so yep. that yeah, that was very prevalent. And they were looking to like further mental health studies. So they built a research laboratory in. 1895. So that was added to the grounds as well. Danvers State kind of had the advantage of being located in Massachusetts. They themselves as a state were very progressive on this front. They were the first to establish a state board of sanity. Mm -hmm. So this is the precursor to the Department of Mental Health. And some of their major legislation at the time included taking the poor out of almshouses and putting them under state control, uh, occupational therapy, as well as social services, a big emphasis on mental hygiene, And they called for the professional training of nurses and attendants. We actually see this at Danvers State. Only 10 years into their establishment, they started a nursing program. This was the second nursing school in Massachusetts overall. Danvers was also the first to hire a woman doctor in 1879. It was known as, quote, one of the most advanced institutions of the kind in the country, providing all practical means possible for intelligent treatments of insanity as a disease. That's an important point as well, is they thought that a lot of these things were diseases, meaning like like the flu or like a cold or like tuberculosis, where they could be cured. Mm-hmm. I think we know better today that sometimes these are things that we have to learn to live with, adjust our situations. Um, There might be medication, there might be therapy, there might be all sorts of things involved. But cure, as in you're done normal and healthy, doesn't apply to a lot of these situations. It might take an adjustment lifestyle or learning learning coping mechanisms and these sorts of things. But they thought you could just be cured. Mm -hmm. Which, when you have someone who's in fits or depression episodes and you bring the country and they hang out for a couple of weeks and they're all better. I mean, it does make you wonder how many people left there and kind of dipped right back into yeah. their, their mental illness. Solid a for effort though. But anyway, so this place was really cool. Yeah. In its early years, it was a success. Yeah. <laughs> so much so that it got a little too popular. Yeah. And I think just in general, there weren't enough facilities to accommodate the growing number of people that needed help. So one thing that I find fascinating about what we have going on in this situation is their complete, not complete and utter lack of knowledge, but like, like complete and utter lack of knowledge. They're doing their best. And there's like... Uh, different kinds of therapy. Like we said, it's basically like, like art therapy and get your hands out and get in the countryside. We understand all that. But they really didn't understand mental health as we understand it today. Psychology, 
didn't exist. We're dealing with alienists. I love that term. It's one of my favorite terms ever. Sure. They are early psychologists. They're also, it's like, what, spit, spitballing is the wrong word. Shush, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? Yeah. Is what they're doing. It's mental health in general. Care is in its early stages. What's the head? Phrenology. Right? My God, some I of the love things, phrenology. This it, idea that the bumps on your skull indicate certain the uh, size per, of your forehead personality is you're going to be more angry and aggressive. So we can get into like other things, and I might talk a little bit more about psychology later on. But you can't crawl, walk, run, right? When it comes to pretty much anything, there has to be a starting point. You have to start to understand before you can really learn. And we're at a start to understand phase. And these people are going to these facilities and some of them are getting better, like 100%. And some of that just has to do with getting fresh air. There are some people, unfortunately, who aren't getting better. uh, And those are some of the more serious issues. We don't understand severe depression. We don't understand... uh, uh, Schizophrenia. At all. So you you find a balance of these things in these places where there are definitely people who are maybe a little anxious, a little depressed, you know, a little melancholy, and they just need some time away. Postpartum was a big one yeah. as well. A lot of women there for, for things like that. Hysteria, whatever. Yeah, we should mention it was disproportionately female. Yeah, but... I actually found a... Um, Sorry to side note on this. I found an article in the newspaper from the 30s where a woman was taking her former employer to court. She was like a a maid at his house and he had her committed to Danvers State and she was there for years. And so like it was, I mean, unfortunately, it was pretty easy, it seems like, to get someone especially Mm -hmm. a woman Mm -hmm. committed to a place like this yeah so while again where and when it starts is very successful and is very popular we very quickly fall down a rabbit hole of bad science overcrowding lack of funds and it becomes it becomes the thing of nightmares and kind of what we all associate with asylums. Asylums and insane, oh, insane and so pop culture, right? We, we'll talk about that. But that idea that you have is what it becomes. But it does not start there. And I think that's really sad, especially today when we're coming back, when we look at our modern approach to mental health and how we understand. Like when you look at um, institutions today, rehab facilities today, Especially if you got money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are gorgeous. They are just like Kirkbrides. They're, they are they're getaways. They are ponds and rivers. And, and even today, we're, we're moving away from like the sterile retirement homes, the sterile school environments. We're learning that like bright windows and open spaces and plants all help us grow and learn. And we're like, I'm reading a lot of this and I'm like... <laughs> Wait a minute, we figured this out 200 years ago <laughs> and then we let it fall to shit and come on. <laughs> we knew this. But this is what humans do, yeah. right? Yeah, they, we knew this. They found some, they figured it out. They cracked the code. They had some success. And then they ruined it. <laughs> and then they ruined it. And then everyone forgets how well it worked. Uh-huh. 
And now we are coming back around and hopefully we do see a continued in yeah. improvement in mental health uh, studies and treatment. But yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I went into this with the thought, with the perception that this place was going to be a scary, horrid asylum from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this was going to be one of the worst of the worst. But it actually turned out to be one of the best of the best. And Danvers was well known for its success and its progressive outlook. I think it's, we were having lunch earlier. And so we've been, we've been hanging out all day. Uh, we, we went over there and, and we'll talk about that. But we had to keep biting our tongues because we didn't want to like spoil anything. And I was just over dinner. And w- what did I say? I was like, it was way better than I thought. And you were like, what? And I was just, and you're like, yeah, right? The, like the history of it all. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I went in thinking that this was going to be a horrible place from the get go. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it was the opposite. Yeah. And then it becomes a a story of tragedy as we hit the early 1900s, which unfortunately is only like 25 years later, but. Again, Danvers State was designed to hold just 500 patients. But by 1900, that number had swelled to over 2,000. That's four times as many. So in some of these pictures, you imagine you have like a bed and now you have four beds, right? You're like, And remember, like they had room for 1,000 in the attic. Yeah. But at this point, they're dipping into the basement probably. The reason I say basement is I I got a weird message the other day um, from one of our friends because he found out that we were doing this uh, topic. Ben from Vamp Fangs. Okay, yeah. His, make sure I have the. um, Okay, he's local. Local to, I'm not going to say where he lives. Local. (laughs) So his great grandmother worked in the basement he said (laughs) he doesn't know what she did and she really didn't talk about it interesting interesting could have been anything from could literally anything yeah again if anyone knows someone who worked at danvers state or was in danvers state and wants to share their story with us i mean with the amount of people and the amount of locals i'm guessing we got a lot of listeners who probably have some experience. Oh, and if you broke into the place, please. I was I was talking recently to um, Jeff, who's the co-director or the, the associate director of the Chamber of Commerce. And he's like, What's, when's the podcast coming back? What's the next episode? And I was like, oh, it's Danvers State. He's like, oh, my gosh. And he used to do a lot of, um, what do you call it? Urban exploring? Urba, urbex or something? There's a term for it. And he's like, I never got to Danvers. And so we were like reminiscing. He's like, did you? And I was like, no, because I was from Groton. So I never came out here. So we were like reminiscing on like the, I never got to go. Oh, which see, is, there's got to be stories out there. There's got to be people who who did. Right. So hit us up. Let us know. Yeah. Was it as creepy as people say? Did you see a ghost? Did you get caught by the cops? Did you see some homeless guy running through the basement halls while you were trying to smoke up or something. Oh my gosh. That's so much more likely than a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, were you breaking beer can beer bottles against the wall? And oh. yeah, I can only imagine. Or putting like satanic symbols oh on the right. walls. <laughs> Help me written on the walls. Just feeding into the, what's <laughs> left of the satanic panic. Yeah. So before we get into all that, uh, all the horrors of 
mid 20th century asylums, I think we should probably cap it there. Don't want to drag this on too long. That's fair. Don't want to, you know, drive any of you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Jeffrey. I was good. It was good. I I could help it. But yeah, in the next episode, part two, we'll talk about kind of Danvers State's descent into chaos, it closing down, the demolition, Danvers State in pop culture, and a little bit more about our visit to the property. Yeah. So with that, make sure to like, follow, share, tell a friend, share it with a friend. Spread the love, spread the Salem love. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Those numbers mean a lot to us. Those reviews are great. Uh, We appreciate your feedback. If you want to reach out, let us know. Hit us up with an email. Hello at SalemThePodcast.com. Follow the Instagram. Hit us up. DM us at SalemThePod. And if you see us on the streets, be sure to say hi. Thanks for listening. See you later.